Hey everybody, it's RJ here again for another episode of the City View podcast. Um, I'm sitting here with Marissa and Michael DeVantier. All right, I got it. Um, in their shop here in, in Hubbard. And um, I'll let them talk a little bit about the, uh, about the shop, but I at least want to describe the, describe the scene for you. It's actually a really cool shop. And by all means, please... Uh, um, guys, tell me where, where I may be wrong. I'll, I'll try not to get overly visual. So um, it's, a, it's a Monday afternoon. The shop is closed, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's a cute spot. Like, I love the, the wooden panel floors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very, I'll use the words uh, trendy in the sense that... Um, well, actually, no. I, I take that back. I won't use trendy. I'll use curated. How, <laughs> how apropos. Um, so basically, uh, the, you guys sell a lot of art, artisanal work here uh, of a variety of different formats and media. And um, I'm looking at a lot of work on the walls, on shelving, on tables. And uh, there's a lot of uh, just a lot of handmade quality work here that um, I'm going to take some photos of and hopefully share on on our social media um and it's just it's it's got a lot of great personality to it it's very creative um if you haven't been out here definitely make your way out here uh as soon as you can but um i'll leave that to um our distinguished guest today on the (laughs) podcast to to sort of pitch and sell you on their store so um i know nothing about either of you in fact folks i just met michael uh not 10 minutes ago um, and uh, that's the way I like to start these things, not knowing anything about you. So, um, where do we begin? Uh, where, where does this fable, this legendary tale of, of you two really begin? Okay. Let's start at the beginning. Um, where'd you grow up? We'll start with Marissa. Uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. What, yeah. what part of Pittsburgh? We, well, I was born in Castle Shannon, which is in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, moved back okay. to the area. My whole family is originally from Youngstown, from the Boardman area, and moved back here when I was an early teenager. Okay. So. I used to live in Brookline. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, not too far away. We could <laughs> take the trolley from Castle Shannon to Brookline and then downtown. It was actually one of the stops. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Michael? I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, okay. I was born and raised there and uh, moved here when I was 15. I was a freshman. Uh, Boardman High School is where I graduated from, and then I moved back there. And we met, uh, I was about 20 years old mm-hmm. when we met at a uh, ministry school mm-hmm. uh, at our church. And uh, she fell in love with me at that point, and uh, no. the rest is uh, history. Oh, come on. You had to work a little bit. You had to <laughs> spend about five years working. <laughs> Arch enemies for a while, then bestest of friends. Yeah, it took and the rest is history. Took a while, <laughs> took a while, but yeah, that's uh, that's how we met. Um, just since then, it's been it's been a, an awesome ride, and found ourselves here. So yeah, we found ourselves in Hubbard, Ohio. Um, I had moved here while I was going to YSU in 2010, and I had a townhouse down the road. It was a cute town, just. A lot of people that could you can walk here and that was so surprising because most of the suburbs around our area you literally can't walk anywhere so I loved Hubbard and then after we were married we ended up back in Hubbard 
um, which is where the shop on Liberty Street began. Mm-hmm. You went to YSC. What did you go to school for? I was a part of the emergency medical technology program, and I finished it with a degree as a paramedic. Oh, cool. Yeah, so That's awesome. Joe Mistovich and uh, Susan Kearns, they're uh, the uh, faculty there that kind of spearhead that program. When did you graduate? I want to say the year was 2010 or 2011. Okay. It was an Associates of Applied Science, so I think it was 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 2011. More power to you. Um, I teach artists, okay? <laughs> and artists... <laughs> I guess really depending on the artist can or cannot handle particular types of anxiety. Yes. Uh, so my graphic design students, they can, they're, they're good at handling anxiety and deadlines. Okay. okay? Um, fine artists, they may not handle deadlines as well because of the nature of their work. Okay. Long story short, um, you went to school to learn how to potentially save someone's life. Yeah. I can't even imagine the pressure or the anxiety that you would have. I mean, I thought that learning CPR was was hard. Yeah. <laughs> and and my instructors apparently didn't feel I did that great of a job either. So uh, I t- give you a ton of credit for not only choosing that, that like career option, but following it through. Yeah, it was an amazing journey. I mean, I don't regret it. And it's strange because I'm not in that field at all right now however I think some of the tools that I learned and just those are valuable I could use that any time in my life and I have I mean there has been sad to say but like deaths in the family that I've been first on scene would be like our lingo in the you know EMT world and able to actually help so it's good and uh Michael did you go to YSU? I didn't. I just actually graduated. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Go ahead. No, I graduated from Newcastle School of Trade actually last week. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I'm a machinist, uh, so still looking for a job right now. But um, in the meantime, I'm working on my small business and building pedal boards. But that's not why we're here today. So. <laughs> well, no, no. That, that's, that's quite all right. Uh, what kind of – I don't know a lot about machining. Can, can you tell me a little bit about what you learned in, in the trade school? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so basically we learned how to read prints. Uh, you get a blueprint. It used to be called blueprint, um, but now they're just considered prints. Uh, it has all the uh, dimensions on it, and we – set up an order of operations and that pretty much is you do this machining operation first and then this operation so turn down a diameter to a specific size and then thread it and then uh, do something else to it Uh, we have to do all that Uh, on top of manual work we did uh, a lot of programming cnc programming and gnm code Uh, so we take that print and we translate it into computer code pretty much that the uh, cnc machines can run they read it uh, and they make all the moves for us. So you plug in your, your USB or whatever the company uses, and uh, you upload the program and go through it, simulate it, make sure everything's right, correct whatever uh, codes you, you have wrong, and run the program. And you could keep running that same program until the machine stops running pretty much, uh, as long as it, it's run right and the setup, the way you set it up is correct. Um, so basically, take a chunk of metal and make something useful out of it is uh, what I do. 
That's awesome. It sounds like there's a lot of logic and sequence yes. to, to that particular role. Um, very math-oriented concepts and practices, which is very ironic because we're sitting in a room that is just full of abstraction. <laughs> um, that does not mean, though, that what you do is not creative. In fact, quite the contrary. Um, so um, tell me, so you, you're, you're working on pedal boards. Yes. So uh, how'd you get interested in that? Uh, I've been playing guitar since I was 15, and I got into pedals uh, the first Christmas I was playing guitar. My uncle bought me a, a chorus pedal, which I promptly got rid of because nobody likes chorus, at least not back then. Now it's making a comeback, but um, I'm a musician, and uh, I needed a, a custom-sized pedal board for all my effects pedals, and so I built one out of a pallet. I garbage dumped, or uh, garbage jumped in. <laughs> yeah, I picked it, and... Uh, at work, I saw somebody throw it out, and I was like, that's a pedal board. And uh, from that point forward, I've, I've dismantled a lot of pallets and made quite a few pedal boards for people all around the United States, um, custom-sized ones. I have a, a whole series of uh, two different types of series, flat board, angle board. Um, but depending on what you want or what you need um, as, a, as a, guit- a guitarist or a bassist or a, like a keyboardist programmer, um, I can build you a, a board to suit pretty much. So the pedal. Okay, so when people hear pallet wood, they think like rough hewn, like this floor in this room. I mean, you could, if you weren't careful, you could maybe trip on it because there's some like uneven nature to it. But Michael's background is in hardwood flooring, and so we're talking finished wood, smooth surfaces. It's like glass when it's done. So imagine taking this nasty palette that's like all rough and gross and he totally like transforms it into these beautiful surfaces where the wood is stained and finished and very very professional it doesn't yes. <laughs> it doesn't at all look like a palette when it's done <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you sell any here in the store i do not sell here in the store because like you said it's pretty abstract in here and the people who do come in here aren't looking for uh pedal boards per se um so I, I haven't really put any on display, and I do pretty much order by order. You know, yeah. like a, you place an order, and I, I just yeah. I fill it. Um, that's the time that I've had to be able to do. I can't do it full time um, with school, um, just finishing up, and then also staying home with our son um, while Marissa has built and is running the shop. Um, I don't really have time to, so that's how I have to do it is order by order. I try to have some kind of stock built up um, so people, you know, post on Instagram and right. Um, I do have a website, but it's uh, mainly for viewing purposes. It's not a shop or anything. Um, but, yeah. It's, it's a good passive income. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't have to, um, you know, drop everything that you're doing to fill an order. You know, you, you, and you know what's nice about that? Considering what you do, there is craft to it. Mm-hmm. There is a quality that you have to meet on the client side, but that you also have to meet, you, you have your own quality measure. Mm -hmm. So, and that takes time, you know, um, it is not unlike being an artist. In fact, you are one, you just have a different medium than what we see here in the store. Um, Yeah, it's not (laughs) canvas. So, um, Russell, let's talk about the store. Uh, what are the what are, what are the humble origins of of the shop here? The humble origins began yeah. in a very empty building um, with eight people that were friends of mine that were handcrafters, and you know, as kind of the story of a mom that was staying at home with her 
new baby boy and getting antsy, being mm-hmm. a doer and a mover and a shaker and starting to make stuff out of our house and then getting orders for things similar to Michael, like, okay, this was passive income and now all of a sudden it's growing and we needed some space. So we were, Liam, our son was just a baby and he and I were on a walk down here through Hubbard. We came across the storefront of this building, checked into it, ended up you know, getting the lease signed, moving into it, and renovating the space, mostly what we thought would be for production of um, these little coasters that I make. But um, it ended up becoming a lot more about the relationships I was building with other artists at the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were mothers. A lot of them were ladies that were trying to do that same thing. Like they were building side businesses to help their families. And we have a space that's so attractive for that because it's right off of the main street here and the idea just kind of literally popped into my head as i was driving through the main intersection here i text michael i i did text you while i was driving (laughs) and i was like i just had a thought bomb what if we turn this space into a shop and what if we invite local regional artists to do this with us what if we actually collaborate Um, And at the time, it seemed a little wild and crazy. We're like, who would do this idea? That's nuts. Um, But slowly, um, we began to build some traction with, you know, great people we were meeting, getting connected with different artists and groups like Artists of the Rust Belt. Um, The Youngstown Flea has been a great connection. Um, And even outside of that, like I've traveled to Akron, to Cleveland, and to Pittsburgh, and I've really networked with artist leaders that I feel like are really really pioneering this maker movement in our area which we are uh, several years behind in the thick of it but as Youngstown is getting a hold of that we've like slipstream right into it with it so it started with eight it grew very quickly when we went from being uh we started off as a consignment store Mm -hmm. with those few eight people Um, And then we jumped in numbers and in volume when we transitioned our business plan over to be a rental model so that artists paid flat fees instead of having to take a percentage or a cut off of their product. So It helps them manage their bottom line, too. It does. It gives them something to plan for. Um, It also causes a win-win because I noticed if if you were to consign a piece of art with me – you really have no need to check in on it until it sells and you really don't have a need to promote it if it's just been moved out of your garage and you don't care now but the rental model I think really built um, like a synergy where people had to advertise in order to move their product because they want to make their rental back in more so we needed that and having artists that partnered with us that exponentially helped to advertise the momentum and the growth of the shop was not through us, but through all of the people that are a part of it. So that's pretty much brought us where we are now. We added coffee to uh, a small coffee bar with baked goods to the shop. Um, That's a little bit more of a recent transition and partnered up with Branch Street as a local roaster. All the baked goods come locally from different people, either in Hubbard, Majory, Brookfield, um, very close to us, so we get fresh deliveries on the weekends. So that is in succinct. That is the shop. <laughs> Quite succinct indeed. How many uh, folks do you think are represented here? Currently, we're at fifty-two. Okay. Um, we fifty-two different artists. Fifty-two different artists. Yeah. Um, does it seem like there's fifty-two? When you seems like there's more actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, there may be 52 different individuals, but they're articulating their work in very different styles and forms and media. You're looking at like, you're looking at, well, the jewelry category is always something people look at with, with makers and artists, but from blown glass to sea glass to uh, flower press jewelry to even some of this neater like steampunk style um, mixed media is really really interesting there's textiles there's photography um, there's you know work with wood some people have done like paintings or things like that for your home Um, I really feel like I have a personal bend toward like the practical items that are here like things that you actually will use when you take it home like candles or napkins something that I can coasters coasters (laughs) (laughs) that you actually get to use it when you bring it home you know (laughs) that's funny um what are your what are your store hours by the way it'd be great to I mean, I'll have to come back in when they're actually, you're open and there's some people floating around. Got some background noise going on with the yeah, people. Yeah. Uh, we are open Tuesday through Saturday okay. and we open the shop. Kind of like a museum. Yes, yeah. very much like a museum. Some people when they come in say that. They're like, it's like walking through a museum. I need to go through again. <laughs> 10 to 5 are the operational hours. Yeah. So I, I do see, you mentioned Youngstown Flea. Um, how, how have you developed a, a partnership with them? Like, how do, you, how do you and Derek work together? Derek and I, gosh, when did we meet? Maybe a year ago? Um, Derek shared a very, um, a very cool idea with me about a year ago. We yeah. sat down, and we had some coffee, and, yeah, it was a big idea. And I thought he was a little bit crazy, um, but he said, what if we had a market for makers in Youngstown? And it was like, dude are you kidding (laughs) and he's like no no like this is this could be a thing so Derek had this amazing vision he cast it and I just said it's almost Christmas man this is like the year is almost over let's wait let's ride this out so uh kind of just was a I think just an ear for him as he was developing the whole plan and then um once the actual event kicked off this spring um just been helping him with the hospitality end of things. When the vendors roll into the parking lot at nine in the morning to set up, they meet me with a clipboard. This is your spot. This is what we're doing. So just tried to lift Derek's hands in the process because he has so much that he's coordinating that day. Um, so and since I work with a lot of the artists, they're also at the shop that are vending at the flea. It was a really cool transition to just uh, kind of fill that role for what he needed. So you're you're helping? Are you are you still helping organize? How how is um, how is your store represented at the Youngstown Flea? It is not. It is really just the individuals, um, the individual artists as they choose. Um, we've done some collaborations here and there um, throughout the summer, where some of the Flea standard artists took up some uh, an opportunity to have free space here and to give it a try. Um, and vice versa, Derek opening it up to say, you know, hey, let's collaborate here. Let's build something in this community. So we want you to give us a try. So things like that, you know, in business, you don't always see that. But in in this particular community, you do. And I think it's really unique. You could also make the case that the shop isn't represented because you don't want to compete against your clients. Yeah. 
Um, I actually displayed something for the shop for the very first time. It was the um, Women in Entrepreneurship fundraiser breaking boundaries over at Cavelli mm-hmm. Center. It was last, it was Wednesday. Oh my gosh, it feels like it was a year ago. Um, yeah, that was the first time I've ever actually brought product from the shop and set up a table. And it was really cool, but if the folks that are part of the shop had been there, it, yeah, it would have been weird. It would have been like, what was uh, what was reaction like at at the uh, Cavelli Center with with your store? It was positive. Uh, there was a lot of people that it was awesome to see faces that have already been in the shop that were there, and they were just so glad to see us there. But I think some of the response was, "This is all handmade, really." And people would pick up things like our wine bottle toppers, or this like really beautiful bracelet, or this blanket for a baby, and they would look at it like, "This is made like." by hand like they just couldn't get over it and just to get to share with them about the the artistry behind the product it was pretty cool were you there i was not no i was uh i was with our son actually yeah (laughs) the babysitting uh i haven't the last few weeks but the first uh couple i was there running the booth uh for marissa's company vinti design company um selling coasters um and other different handmade things, whatever she she brought along, pillows and whatnot. And did some wooden shelves and some things. Yeah, some yeah. wooden shelves and, and everything like that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we it's been great to be involved and to see, you know, what Derek has, has built down there. It's it's great for the city. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we've been to Pittsburgh for certain fleas over there in Cleveland, and, you know, uh, it's, it's great to see that in our city. It's mm-hmm. so necessary. And um, finally get, get on the map with that. You know, there's a lot of creatives here. And a lot of a lot of makers and a lot of very, very good makers mm-hmm. who, you know, it's not just arts and crafts, you know, it's it's legitimate art. And uh, it's, it's really cool to see that. And I love being a part of it. And uh, even though my medium's not, you know, it's a little bit rougher. It's it's great to see people blend different different things together and, and create something beautiful out of it. Um, and all the people even just being there, all the different people and the crowds that come out. It's great to see. Yeah all of Youngstown is represented. You know, it's not one demographic of people or it's everyone comes, you know. And that that's beautiful too to see that as well. It's not just the difference in the artists that are there, um, but also the people who come. Yeah. That's a huge testimony to Derek because yeah. he's really been a cheer cheer master for like it's this is for every person. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's cool. Yeah, it, it's really quite diverse. Yeah. Uh not only in in those that attend but also the, what product is offered and ultimately what experiences are, are offered you know you had mentioned going to pittsburgh my my family and i we went down to the strip district um we only live not even 10 miles away from the strip and uh we went down and they were having like a world international festival day or world festival day or something like that it was it was really neat it stretched all the way up penn avenue but um when we got there was a neighborhood flea going on yeah. and um yeah uh so she's great she I, I i know her uh she's great yeah hey carrie yeah how about you come up here um and uh take some of this good product back with you um but uh when we were down there uh there were a lot of there weren't a lot of vendors that um were were showing off their work like their their maker product the the things that they've made um i saw a lot of um antiques mm-hmm. 
in vintage items and a lot of like recycled refurbished kinds of things nothing nothing handmade and that's that doesn't mean necessarily anything in the long run because that just may have been the people that wanted to buy space at that flea at that time but um i do like how accessible the youngstown flea is how accessible your shop is and friendly to these artists um that are making these things because a lot of them you know they don't have a venue um, uh, in fact, a lot of them come to me and say, Hey, RJ, how can we, how can we sell this, this product online? How can we make this happen? And I sometimes have to be the guy that says, if you don't have a budget, nothing's going to happen. And I like the fact that you guys give them that venue, um, and, th- and that consequent hope, um, to really pedal, pedal their product and sell. Um, it's important. Um, that was, that's the whole reason why this is what it is now. The shop is actually a thing is, you know, we, we kind of looked at each other and uh, when the space opened up and we looked at it, it was like, we had the whole back space. It was like, well, that's going to be our work area, but we have all this half of the building, you know, an extra thousand square feet. What are we going to do with it? Mm-hmm. And the, where, where we started was Marissa started on our kitchen table making coasters. And I started in my in-laws driveway building things, you know, using my father-in-law's tools and, we wanted to have a place where artists, <clears throat> excuse me, could have a, a launch pad to the point where they got their name out there for a small amount of money. Because when you, when one artist says, "Hey, come check me out at the shop at Liberty," that art, that one artist is saying, "Come check out all 50 plus, you know, artists at the shop on Liberty Street." And that was the whole purpose. And moving forward, we looked at each other and said, "If it doesn't do this, then we don't want to do it. We want to help support artists and get their feet under them and help them." build their name and build, you know, have a place to display what they make. And by virtue of, um, giving them that space and them investing in you, they effectively become your brand ambassadors and, and sell what you're doing conceptually. Yeah. We honestly couldn't do this, um, model without the quality of people and without the passion that they bring to this because, We've looked at different ways of doing the shop, but really it always comes back to just collaborating with the artists themselves and really honing in on where are they at in what they make. Are they treating this as a hobby? Okay, well then we're going to hopefully take this hobby artist into maybe a semi um, more mature state of a hobby artist mm-hmm. or are they doing it semi-professionally where they're really putting a lot of time, energy, and finances into their craft we want to see them explode professionally in what they're doing. Whatever we can do to offer, whether it's the space. Um, more recently, we did some training, which was great. We brought in some professionals from our area that can teach social media, that can teach branding. Uh, simple little techniques like finance, talking about the legal end of putting your artwork out there and offering them those resources. Most of our artists are far beyond their years in college. They're not necessarily just like coming right out of the gate. They've been a lot of retirees, frankly. Yeah, there are. And they don't always know where to go for those tools. So part of what inspired us to do those kinds of lessons was the We Launch program with YBI that I attended and that really helped me to actually integrate all of those tools into the shop. And you can't help but want to integrate those tools into the person that, you know, you're working with. So. So, so what's next for the shop? How, how long have you been in operation again? Uh, the shop on Liberty Street. 
two years? 15 months. Yep, 15 months. <laughs> the entire duration of my daughter's life. Okay, great. Well, I will remember that from now on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We've been in the building here for two years, but okay. the shop officially launched yeah. um, 15 months ago. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what's this place going to look like in another 15 months? Fabulous question. <laughs> I wish I had the answer to it. I'll let you consult your business plan. No. <laughs> the living document, the business plan. If, if conditions were ideal and you didn't really have to worry so much about, you know, trivial matters like mm-hmm. sustaining your business and income and things like that, yeah. uh, where would you be? What's the future look like? I think for the shop on Liberty Street, I think the future is um, e-commerce. I really do. I think there's a market for locally made goods from Northeast Ohio that should be spread all over the nation. Mm -hmm. I think the shop on Liberty Street could be a vehicle to do that, um, that could bring a huge amount of generated income into the artists of our area. So I think the shop going um, digital is important. Um, As far as the storefront and what we sit in right now, we have talked about crazy things. We have talked about having like a mini restaurant in here matched up with the artisan area. We've talked about having hands-on workshops that are just a consistent flow every month. We love having this coffee bar. We love having the desserts, um, but we'd really love to see this space utilized for more community events. We already work with Hubbard Music, which is literally around the corner from where we're sitting. And they do open mic nights with their students here. So anything we can do to just add a teaching element for the arts as well as a um, sales element to that Mm. as well. I know that might sound vague. Our business plan really... Well, I did ask you a vague question, (laughs) so that's totally justified. Yeah, very broad. (laughs) But, you know, I think that's the thing with business, though. If you're going to create a business that's narrow and tight, you're not really an entrepreneur. (laughs) You have to actually mold and bend and like mm-hmm. go with you know that rj you've done so much with that that you have to be very very flexible and really meet your market where it's at but also know that your core values have to shine through in everything you do mm-hmm. so that's why i say i feel like the future is still in like educating the arts and also promoting the arts can i throw an idea past you uh-huh. yeah. so you mentioned like uh, a little restaurant oh my gosh wouldn't it be cute so Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. It's, it's here. Um, there's, there's kind of an interesting crossover. So um, you have this, this amazing little space, number one. So you got that in your pocket. Right. The second thing that is really big right now is getting food uh, delivered to your house. Um, like, um, the, the, the names elude me at the moment. Um, it's packaged meals sent to your house weekly like or Amazon by, fresh or uh, those boxes. yeah, the, 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 the dinner boxes, yeah, yeah. um, it, there are so many of them right now, so many, and it would be really cool if like you had, and you got to make it like really secret too, like barely promote it. Mm-hmm. Um, at least to begin with, it is, it's an, it's an underground (laughs) thing. You know, you bring someone in and maybe they're, they're like a a professional chef or something like that. Mm -hmm. You invite, it's like a handful of invites only. You clear the floor, you put some tables out and, um, you bring them in and then like they try their new recipes or something like that. 
you know, wait for it at night, put some candles on the table. It's not necessarily romantic, but um, you got you to gotta set the mood, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, right. <laughs> and, and then, uh, so you, the, the people come in, they have to pay, and then the, the yeah. expectation there is once they're here, they want to buy things, yeah. right? So that's kind of an unintended benefit. <laughs> right. Um, but then the, I mean, you could go any number of different ways where like the, the remainder or like there are, Hey, say you can't make it. Well, guess what? We'll, we'll ship this one particular meal. That's only ever going to be be made this one time at this one place. We'll ship it to your house or you can pay for a meal and then we'll actually take it to like a homeless shelter or something like that. And, um, yeah. Because yeah, we don't cook. <laughs> <laughs> right. But if you want to collaborate on this. <laughs> well, you know what? You don't have to cook, but what you have is the space. More importantly, you have the right kind of space. Uh, and it would just be really cool to, like, it's a, it's a little pop-up dinner. It exists. Here it is. One and done. And, and here are some benefits to those that can't attend. Here are some benefits that want to attend, but... You know, uh, maybe they have it shipped to their house, that would be so cool. and then like you can design the boxes, and maybe I, I don't know. You Throw can get real coaster in there. Throw a coaster in there, yeah. <laughs> and the and the coasters could actually have the recipes for the meal, but you have to look at it not as one individual coaster. But you have to be gestalt about it. Like, here's a set of twenty four that covers the whole recipe. What if these meals were like based upon the different ethnic groups in Youngstown yeah, because I've absolutely. had some of the most delicious food mm-hmm. from different like you know all of our festivals downtown I can't replicate that ever <laughs> but if someone like came in as like a guest chef for the night oh, I'm feeling this idea yeah so like um yeah Nicolini's Roberto's whomever yeah. You know, maybe they make one particular thing and, and like, that's it. That could be a lot of fun. Uh, that could be really fun for uh, couples with young children. Hint, hint, wink, wink. And, uh, yeah, that, that could be a – well, you know, I use the phrase charging the space. You know, activity is going to bring people in the door. And when you have a brick-and-mortar shop, you, you depend on the foot traffic. So, yeah. And the more, the more we've, the longer we have been here, the greater the foot traffic has become. It's a very difficult thing to predict for anybody that has a brick and mortar shop that are out there. Everybody asks me that. What's your busiest day? What's it like? You can't predict it. It literally depends on the weather. <laughs> a lot of times it depends on people's mood because of the weather. But, you know, good days, they're good. Bad days, we get a lot of computer work done. That's pretty much all I can say about yeah, that. It's, it's a productive day, <laughs> it's regardless. It's a productive day, but in a different way. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're kind of hitting the end here. Um, how can people learn more about who you are, what you do, and the things that you do, and how can they get involved? Or, you know, you, you mentioned the store hours again. Repeat that. Check out the website, so on and so forth. Yeah. So to, well, let's say first for the shop, um, if you're interested in visiting us, please come check us out. We are located in downtown Hubbard, Ohio, 20 West Liberty Street. And our website is theshoponlibertystreet.com. On social media, on Facebook and Instagram, we are also the shop on Liberty Street. On Twitter, we are the shop underscore Hubbard. 
Um, our hours, like I had said earlier, are Tuesday through Saturday. We open the doors at 10. We're here till 5. Um, occasionally, if there's an event going on on a Friday or a Saturday night, you'll see that on our Facebook page where you can RSVP to attend. If you're an artist and you're interested in collaborating with us, the best thing to do um, is to contact me directly. Um, just send me an email at the shop on Liberty Street at gmail.com. Throw some pictures in there. Tell me a little bit about you, what you do, what you make. Um, we do loosely curate the shop. There is a element of it needing to be able to fit into the genres of what we have to offer. And we do limit the genres of what we offer as well. Um, so just feel free to reach out. We're always wanting to talk with you about what you do. Um, and if we're not a good fit, I'll do my best to search it out and, and find a fit for you. Marissa's working for you guys. Put her to work. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, Michael, any, any uh, parting thoughts? Oh, yeah. is that all right? Is that all right? So pedal boards. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at uh, Deviant Pedalboards. It's underscore pedalboards. Um, I'm also on Twitter as the Plain Dizzle. Um, you can check me out on, on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, Deviant Pedalboards. Uh, if you are interested or have any questions, you can email me at deviant.pedalboards at gmail.com. And that's we can talk about custom order or if. I have some uh, standard sizes that we could work on as well. Cool. Well, thank you both for your time. This was great. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll check in with you in, in the not-too-distant future. And yeah, in 15 months. Yeah, that's a great callback. <laughs> and uh, we'll see where you're at. You better, you had better stick to what you said. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you to task on that one. That's great. Cool. Thanks, Take care, everyone. <laughs>